Happy Acoustic Wednesday here on the EP Podcast. I am your host, Austin Horton. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for clicking on. Thanks for sharing this podcast. Uh, As far as this podcast gets is as far as you share it. So thank you so much for your grassroots efforts in helping helping me keep not only in practice, uh, but keeping my name out there. It was a tough blow to work for and i've said this before on the podcast but to work for 11 years essentially towards getting a a daily sports radio show and to have it just shy of two years before the pandemic swept it out of uh, out of my control is just it, it was a tough blow but i am so grateful to still be employed to still be able to feed and provide my for my family along with my wife and the amazing work that she does in her career uh grateful to have the 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 peace of mind and the comfort that comes with uh being employed uh and uh, the opportunity to still chase this dream Uh, it was a a bit of a blow to take that uh, away from me Uh, but so when it had seemed to really just start and start to just uh, get rolling there with tony but uh it's not over it's it's just on pause for now as far as the dream goes so thank you for sharing and listening to the podcast it means uh, so much more than i could ever say in words it is an acoustic wednesday as i mentioned and i've got a very relaxing feel good song to listen to a love song in fact they'll give you some history on uh, some history that i never knew it's a very popular song of song that you've heard i'm sure a, a trillion times in your life but you haven't heard this version uh, and you haven't maybe heard the history behind the song uh, same, same as i hadn't so we'll t- get to that we gotta talk some jazz basketball we gotta talk some football baseball is in the news and of course we have today in sports history and that's where we'll start july 29 and we're going all the way back to the year 1751 okay the the united states of america had not even thought of declaring its independence from great britain at the time 1751 the first international world title prize fight took place july 29 1751 jack stack of england yes his name jack stack he beat challenger m pettit of france or m petit in france of france in 29 minutes in england so the world's first title prize fight jack stack of england 1751 uh july 29 going to 1988 as rick sutcliffe stole home becoming the first pitcher since pasquale perez in 1984 to steal home july 29 1990 the 26th curtis cup the u.s won 14 to 4 july 29th 1986 and new york jury ruled the nfl violated antitrust laws but awarded the usfl just one dollar in damages to refresh your memory on that the usfl had decided to switch its schedule from a fall winter period to or excuse me, from a, a spring-summer period to a fall-winter period, they're, they're in clashing with uh, the schedule of the NFL. The NFL uh, garnered all this money, gathered all the attention, got all the TV contracts, and the USL su- USFL sued the NFL, saying they had created a monopoly in, in, of sorts. And Pete Rozelle, the uh, commissioner of the NFL at the time, said, no, it's just a, it's a natural monopoly. I, I, can't, I can't tell you anything else other than our league is doing better than your league is doing. 
And the jury, after 30-something hours of deliberating, uh, came to the conclusion that Pete Rozell was right, that uh, the USFL was also right that the NFL had violated antitrust laws, but that the damages were so punitive that they only made the NFL pay the USFL well, technically $1, but they ended up paying $3. A bunch of legal mumbo-jumbo. But they, they paid $3 to the USFL, who had been seeking over a billion dollars in damages. And then finally, July 29th, 2018, baseball Hall of Fame inductees, including Chipper Jones, Alan Trammell, Trevor Hoffman, Jim Tomey, Jack Morris, and Vladimir Guerrero were inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. Vlad, bad Vlad. Guerrero became the first Angels player to, well, not the first Angels player in the Hall of Fame, but the first player to choose for his bronze plaque at the Hall of Fame to be sporting an Angels logoed cap. Uh, Pretty cool moment there for this Angels fan, and that is today in sports history for the day of July 29th. All right, going to play some sound now from Orlando, where the Utah Jazz are stationed as part of the NBA's bubble setup, as you know. The games begin for real tomorrow on Thursday. They'll take on the Pelicans pregame at 3.30, tip-off at 4.30. Hear the entire thing live on your exclusive radio home of the Utah Jazz, 97.5 FM and 1280 AM, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. But yesterday, the Jazz had practice and held some media availability afterward. And thereafter, we heard from Joe Ingles and Mike Conley. Joe Ingles and Mike Conley might have the most uh, assigned pressure to fill in for the missing uh, performance of Boyan Bogdanovich, who, of course, uh, had, uh, had surgery on his wrist, his shooting wrist, and is going to miss the rest of the season. That's 20 points a game that the Jazz have got to find someplace. Mike Conley this season really was not all he uh, was hyped up to be coming in after the Jazz traded for him from Memphis. Uh, he was he had a career-best 20 points a game last season. No one really fairly, realistically thought he would match that with the Utah Jazz. But save for, uh, you know, uh, probably 5 to 12 really good games this season, including four right before the pandemic uh, stopped uh, the, the season short in the mid- middle of March. Uh, those were about all the, the good games that he had. He is averaging about 14 points a game. Uh, you take away those 8 to 10 good games, and he's averaging somewhere around 6 to 7 points a game. And so it has not been as expected. Now, he's also been asked to play a different style than he's ever had to play in his entire career. Going back to when he was 9 years old, he's been a pick-and-roll or a pick-and-pop player, and mostly pick-and-pop, honestly. And here with the Utah Jazz, he has not had that pick-and-pop uh, uh, luxury. He's had the pick and roll with Rudy Gobert, but something that he and Donovan Mitchell are, are doing differently, at least through the first three scrimmages that we saw. Uh, and Jake Scott did a really good job of breaking this down on the big show on Tuesday afternoon. If you want to check it out, 1280thezone.com. In the pick and roll situation, uh, everyone's familiar, especially jazz fans, especially familiar with the pick and roll. There's no need to break it down. But as the big sets the screen, and the small player, the guard, then has to make a decision to go to the basket, stop and shoot the ball, or draw the defense to him and hit the roller or popper that just set the screen for him. 
Uh, and in the Jazz case, Rudy Gobert does not have a pop game. He has a roll game and a dunk game and an oop game. He does not have a pop game uh, and, and a jump shot game, in other words. And so what happens is Rudy will set that screen. Donovan, Mike Conley, and others will take that screen and go right to the hoop. Well, the Jazz have started to pause a little bit and hesitate. And as Jake Scott pointed out, I thought he made a really good uh, comparison to the option play in football. That slight, that, that, that slightly extended hesitation makes that defender choose, do I need to stay with Rudy Gobert as he rolls towards the rim? Do I need to stay with the ball handler as they come off the screen from Rudy? What do I have to do? And as Donovan, Mike Conley, and others hesitate for just a moment, that causes the defense too much hesitation, and the Jazz are able to capitalize either with a throw to the rim for Rudy, a kick to the corner, or a pop right there with the, the ball, or a drive to the rim all the way with the ball, whatever it opens up for you. Well, Mike Conley spoke to the media yesterday afternoon uh, and continued to talk about how he's continuing to find more comfortability and more uh he's able to relax a little more and be more of his vintage mike conley self as the games get going for real thursday afternoon good how you doing good thanks uh we'll hop into some questions for you we'll start with dana green abc4 Hey, Mike, um, just curious, does this kind of feel like a season opener? I mean, you've had three weeks to get ready for this. You had such a long layoff, or does it just feel like the continuation of last season? Or is that still that 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 opening night jitters maybe now that we're 48 hours away? Uh, yeah, this it, it really feels like a whole new thing, man. It feels like a whole new season. Um, you know, kind of having those scrimmage games, you know, kind of felt like a preseason atmosphere where – you're kind of getting your minutes together, getting your routine together, um, trying to get ready for the real thing. So uh, I think all of us are really excited about finally getting out there and um, and, and those games uh, really mean something. Next is Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Mike, you said uh, coming back kind of felt like you knew what to expect now. It wasn't learning a bunch of new stuff under Quinn Snyder. You've played well since you've come back. Does that feel like it's come to fruition? Is this the role you expected? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think a lot of things have um, obviously taken a little bit of time, but uh, everything is really comfortable right now. Everything seems uh, easier, uh, understanding the offense, understanding defense, understanding the players, uh, understanding my role. So uh, I think the first three games, the scrimmage games were a good indicator of, of my comfort level um, uh, as I've grown with the team and uh, excited to you know just continue to grow with it. Next is from uh, Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated, who's there with you. Mike, the, um, have you so much leisure time or downtime here? Have you settled in any kind of routine, whether, it, you know, whether it's watching the show or doing some activity in your room or something? Have you settled in anything like that? Uh, yeah, I've, had, uh, I've gotten into a little bit of a routine after, well, with practices being so different from time to time and, and games being different from time to time. Uh, on my off time, I normally you know, get a shower. I go walk to you know, walk around to the uh, little restaurant, the, the outdoor spot they have here um, over the water. And, and I'll sit there, talk to Ed, talk to, you know, Don, some of the guys, some of uh, my teammates. And after that, I call my wife and kids, talk to them for a little bit and go upstairs, watch TV, uh, play video games, just try to, you know, keep my mind busy um, outside of, you know, the bubble and um, the basketball that we're here for. Do you have a preferred show or video game that you've 
Yeah. Uh, right now I'm watching Ozark uh, on Netflix. I had kind of came late to the party on that. So uh, I've been watching that and I've been playing a lot of Call of Duty. Next up is Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Mike, since um, home court advantage doesn't matter as much uh, or at all uh, once the playoffs get here, how much are you concerned with playoff positioning and what the matchup is going to be as you're going through these seeding games? Uh, I don't think we're, you know, too concerned about uh, the seeding and, you know, who you're playing. Whoever you play in the West is going to be a tough, a tough matchup. It's going to be a tough, uh, a tough out either way. Um, with no home court advantage, with no crowd, with no altitude, with none of that stuff at, at our advantage, it's, it's just more important that we take, you know, each opponent, no matter who it is, and, and, and try to put the best brand of basketball on the floor um, to make us successful because it's, it's not going to matter. You won't have anybody to get you out of your slumps. You won't have anybody to root you on other than your teammates. So um, right now it's more about internally just trying to keep our guys together, keep supporting each other, and be ready for whatever challenges may face us and whoever we face. Mike, we have a question from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Mike. Uh, Donovan especially has spoken kind of in recent days about the importance of making sure that, um, you know, the social and racial justice uh, issues don't wind up taking a back seat to basketball once you guys come back. I was just wondering what kind of conversations you guys have had in recent days about how you can keep that, uh, keep that stuff going forward, keep it on people's minds. Well, you know, right now, I think, uh, obviously Donovan is, is kind of spearheading a lot of it, but, um, as a team, we've, you know, we've vowed to continue to, to be outspoken about it, continue to, to voice our opinions and, um, whether that's through, you know, social media or wearing it on a t-shirt or, um, some, some kind of symbolism, um, or actions that we may be doing. And I think each guy has their own niche and what they want to do and uh, how they want to approach things and, and what they want to give money to or whatever they want to fight for. So, um, we're just continuing to encourage each other to, to, you know, continue to be loud and continue to, to, to proudly um, um, show, you know, how much we're behind uh, uh, this cause and, and all those people who are affected. We have a question from Tony Jones, The Athletic. Hey, Mike, uh, in terms of um, just, you know, in, in terms of just fostering gravity and open up driving lanes, how important is it uh, for, for Joe to, to be uh, aggressive and looking for a shot and and, you know, taking the open looks when he's come, you know, just just in terms of just making uh, gravity. And, and well, I think Joe knows he's very important to what we want to try to accomplish uh, on both ends of the floor. He's, he's irreplaceable defensively, offensively. He's our playmaker and does so much for us. So um, with that being said, he, we need him to shoot. We need him to be aggressive uh, when he has shots. We tell him all the time, you know, don't pass him up. Continue to try to keep himself in a rhythm because he's the kind of guy that's so unselfish that, you know, he'll go a whole two or three quarters without taking, you know, one or two shots. So um, with a guy like that, being able to be aggressive and, and look for his opportunities allows the, the space to stay the same, um, allows, you know, for driving lanes for Don, myself, Rudy to roll, uh, and for him as well to be able to get into the paint and make plays. Next up is Craig Bowler, Jack, Jazz TV. Thanks, Danny. Hey, Mike, good to see you. 
Hey, uh, I was curious. Um, can you talk about the four guard lineup and what do you think? Uh, how that will impact the eight seeding games into the playoffs? Well, I think the the four guard lineup um, will definitely what we need it. I mean, it's, it's today's game is what you know who we got to be. Um, coach has been, you know, really harping on us. You know, pushing the ball, looking for you know hunting threes and um, trying to get early in transition opportunities and 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 we've kind of had to adjust and, and turn into that as the season's gone on especially now with Boyan out so um you know we, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to definitely um you know continue to to be comfortable with it because other teams are gonna have to play small um to try to combat Rudy and different and different lineups we might throw out there so um I think we've, we've got a couple couple games on our belt and uh hopefully you know we've learned a lot from it and watching film and continue to to grow in our roles as, as we get to go further in this uh, season. Mike, our last question is from Eric Woodyard, ESPN. Hey, what's up, Mike? How you doing? Thank you, Mike. In that in that transition, you know, initially from, from from Memphis to Utah, you know, I know you it was a little tough for you, but as you got time to sit down and reflect throughout the you know quarantine and COVID time, you know, did did you get a chance to really mentally break that down and, and process and then come back as a stronger being and for you, I know faith and, you know, belief in a higher spirit is big for you and your family. Was that a part of you as well, getting to this point you're at right now? Oh, yeah, of course, man. Um, I think the quarantine in itself uh, was a blessing for me in a different way. Uh, for me to be able to take a, a seat back and, and kind of evaluate the season, evaluate myself. Because uh, as you know, I got put everything on me. You know, I, I don't, you know, blame the situation or the move or uh you know just new opportunity whatever it's you know i gotta be better and um being able to look back at that and 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 pinpoint where i can be where i can be effective where i can change my game to to fit the offense to fit don to fit joe to fit rudy um and have a clear picture you know right now i'm just just super clear uh on what i need to do and who i need to be for this team so uh, obviously, having faith in in, in in the whole process and faith that that this time would come and that you know I'd, I'd come around was was always there. All right, and from Mike Conley's availability there now to Joe Ingles, who did you know Joe Ingles? He's big time in Brazil. First one will be from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey Joe, how are you doing? Good. So uh, we we saw the list come out the other day of all the. Uh, the jersey messages that the various players around the league had chosen. I just made some money because I knew this would be the first question. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, you chose you chose Ally for yours. I was just wondering if you could maybe kind of explain how you came upon uh, that particular message, what it means to you, and and what, if anything, it'll mean to you to have you know to see your teammates kind of maybe carry out some some uh, movement on the court leading up uh, to the first game. Yeah, um, that, obviously that's that's what I I chose. Um, I think for for me and I think my situations are obviously a little unique, being from Australia, um, kind of a completely different country. And um, I actually spoke with a bunch of my teammates about what for them um, I guess would um, help show my support, um, which which word or which saying um, would. Um, 
I guess, be an impact for them as well. Um, so for them to read it and other players, um, fans watching, whoever's whoever's going to see it, I guess, um, what would mean something. Um, and that's what a lot of them said. And that was um, – I had a few written down that I, I – I guess I had an idea of kind of what I wanted to, to do. And um, I think just the meaning of the kind of uniting together and, and having the, I guess for them, for, from my point of view, them knowing that I've got their back 100% through this, um, whichever whichever direction it's going, I'm going to have their back. And, and not just my team, the NBA, the WNBA, anyone that's that's in this, obviously there's a, a lot of people fighting for, for things right now. And um, like I said, being in a, I guess it's a bit of a unique situation being a white Australian um, and not being from this country. You're, you're kind of learning on the fly. I've learned a lot over the last few weeks that um, some I didn't know at all and some that I had a, a bit of an idea about but um, have kind of been brought up to speed a, a lot more. So um, it's been a, a really uh, educational few weeks for me, I guess, um, spending six years here and um, – and really going through it this last kind of three or four weeks or whatever it's been. So um, I know it's probably a way too long answer to go in the Tribune tomorrow, but um, yeah, it's it's why I guess me and, and my teammates chose what we did. Next is a question from Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated, who I believe is there with you. Yes, he's right here. <laughs> with, with as much downtime as you have here and get away from friends and family, do you have you settled any kind of, you know, leisure routine, things you found that you enjoy doing? That kills no, I just figured out that my coffee machine has an automatic start so I can get it to start and turn on before I wake up, which is amazing because it takes a few minutes to heat up. Um, not, not, not really. Um, I speak to my kids a lot. Um, that's obviously something after the last three months of being there every day and, and getting them up and putting it to bed and, all of a sudden you're gone it's it's different for them um it's obviously a lot of pressure on my wife who, who's 22 weeks pregnant as well um so trying to kind of speak to them and um obviously it's not going to be the same because i'm not there but just try and keep them in a, in a routine if i can and, and help as much as i can um i probably need to get a bit of a better routine i've probably been sitting around a bit too much because you're just not I mean, it's hot as hell out there. <laughs> um, and then it thunderstorms and starts raining. So um, I've got a few things and we've got some stuff with charities and stuff that we do. So I've got a little bit of kind of work going on. Um, I'm always looking to buy real estate, which is probably dangerous here as well. But um, yeah, just kind of little things. And, and I think yeah, as, a, as a team, it's really cool to be able to hang out as a team, sit with guys at dinner, have coffee, have breakfast in the morning. Um, we're a pretty close team anyway, but after having three months of not seeing him, it was nice to kind of, I'm kind of over him now, but um, yeah, just, just little things, nothing, nothing too crazy. You peruse real estate listings? Is that, is that what you're applying? Uh, Realestate.com, Australia. I only, yeah, I don't want real estate in America. <laughs> I'm, I'm, when I retire, I'm out of here. So anything in Australia, if anyone knows any good deals in Australia, let me know. We have a question from Tony Jones, the athletic. Of course I do. Well, of course you do. Um, <laughs> kind of, um, you know, piggy, piggybacking off of Chris's question, what's been, you know, the, the, the easiest thing for you in the bubble so far? And what's been the most difficult uh, part of the bubble so far for you? I mean, you know what I'm going to say for the most difficult. Um, my, my family not being here, uh, not being with the kids, not being um, – when I was home, I, I would – 
drop Miller and pick her up every day from school, which is kind of our little thing that we did. Um, and my wife would take Jacob to, to therapy. Um, so missing all of that stuff is, is the hardest. And Jacob started potty training, not that you guys care, but he peed at school this morning, um, which is really cool. Um, so just those things, obviously for me, when, when we're in Utah, I'm either at the facility or the or Vivint or I'm at, at home. So um, that, that's that's obviously been the hardest. Um, like I said to, to Chris too, like a, when you're home for so long, I think it was three months or whatever it was, three and a half months, and you haven't left the house and then all of a sudden you get kind of ripped away. And obviously the twins being four years old, they understand a bit, a bit now. And um, yeah, so that's, that's definitely been the hardest. The, the easiest, um, I mean, it's probably, it's not really... <laughs> I like what Stephen Adams said. It's like it's not really. We are in a resort, and we're it's a nice hotel. I think I I probably stirred them up a little bit with the food the first few days, which I still would stand by. It was terrible, but it's got a lot better. Um, you can cater, you can order food from places now. It's it's a lot different to the first kind of seventy two hours here. So um, I guess settling in has been easy in terms of, of that stuff, the food, the the room, coming to practice, going to practice. Um, stadium playing in that situation will will probably never really get um kind of super normal to play like that but it is what it is and you've got to got to kind of adjust and i think the the teams that kind of adjust to those things um the the quickest and not not complain but just kind of adjust and and deal with it i I think the teams that will, will be successful here sarah todd deseret news Joe, can you kind of walk me through what maybe uh, you and the team uh, learned over the three scrimmages, things that you gleaned from those that can be helpful? Uh, it's really quiet in the arena with no fans. Um, it's really weird when they put virtual fans up and you're playing against Joe Harris, and Joe Harris is also a virtual fan on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I think, I mean... Obviously, Boyan, the whole Boyan thing's been a talking point for everyone. I think we we, we we relied on him. I mean, he averaged, what, 20 a game for 65 games. So he was a big part of our offense and um, just trying to figure out different ways. Um, I said it before, and uh, I think uh, I think he's shown it that the kind of Mike with the ball, what he's been doing has been has been really good. And um uh, I think we're, we're going to continue to learn. Obviously, in these eight games, you want to win as many as you can, but you also want to be playing the best you can in 16 days' time or whatever it is, 18 days' time. So um, I think we'll keep figuring out little things that, that, that work and don't work. Um, I think we, we probably figured some things out. We know defensively what we need to do. Um, we look really good when we push the ball. We've got bigs, obviously, that can run. We're playing a lot of the time with, with four guards. Um, yeah, so just kind of little things. I don't think there's anything major. Um, uh, I think, honestly, the biggest difference is, is playing in an arena like that. It's, it's extremely different to what we've played for our whole careers, all of us. So, um, like I said, I think the teams that can adjust and, and kind of normalise it as much as possible are the, the teams that will do well. And we have time for one more question from Gilherm Tadeau, Cafe Belgrado from Brazil. Damn. Hi, Joe. I'm famous in Brazil, aren't I? Oh, we love you here. <laughs> That's such uh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Joe, since there's no real home court advantage for the playoffs, what's your main goal in the seeding games? I think kind of what I was saying, just to, to keep to keep getting better and better. Um, I think when you have the three-month break that we had to get back in that rhythm, and, and obviously it's, it's a long time since a lot of us have played a game, we, we roll out three games. The first game was a 40-minute fever type of game, and then you get kind of two real, real games. We obviously didn't play kind of full minutes, um, but we just want to keep getting better and better. Uh, I mean, we're very well aware, and I think a lot of teams will be that, that we're not going to, we're, we're probably not going to, I mean, we might win every game, but there's a chance we lose too. So win or lose, we want to keep getting better, keep getting better. And by day 16, 17, 18, or whatever it is, when the, the playoffs start, um, obviously we're in a position that I'm pretty sure we're in the playoffs regardless. I think even if we went 0 and 8, which we're not going to do, but um, you just want to keep getting better and be playing good basketball by that playoffs time. It's um, like I said, it's very, it's different. Um, I don't think anyone would say it's um, a similar situation to where they've played before. I've played in FIBA tournaments with um, probably the same or, or a few more fans, but it's, it's a very different arena, the feeling of it and all that. But um, yeah, we just want to keep keep getting better each game. And like I said, by that eighth game and heading into the playoffs, be be playing at a level that we we are ready to compete and, and get as far as we can. Thanks, Joe. Good to see you. You too. There you go. Mike Conley, Joe Ingles. Check out all the jazz interviews presented by University of Utah Health from Orlando at 1280thezone.com and on the Zone Sports Network app. Once again, game number one of the eight seeding games or the finish to the regular season in Orlando comes your way 3.30 pregame, 4.30 tip-off on Thursday afternoon right here on the Zone Sports Network. If you missed the bad news in Major League Baseball, then honestly, really, you're not looking. You're not. You don't care enough to to pay attention to what baseball is doing. But I'm going to tell you about it anyway. Major League Baseball has uh, decided to postpone all Marlins baseball games through at least this coming Sunday. After the team had a recent outbreak of coronavirus, this started with uh, eight guys, quickly jumped to 14. I think it got all the way up to 17 before they were able to uh, corral that. Now, the problem is it's not just the Marlins that this is impacting. The Marlins at the time had been playing a series in Philadelphia against the Phillies and therefore were using that clubhouse. At, uh, is it C- what is a Citizens Bank? Park, I can't remember the name of the ballpark uh, where the Phillies played, but they were using that visitor's clubhouse. Well, the Yankees were coming to town to play the Phillies, uh, but that game was officially postponed because you can't throw the Yankees into a clubhouse where the Marlins just came down with a whole bunch of cases of COVID-19. And so, and therefore you can't have the Phillies playing either. Well, the, the Orioles who were supposed to begin a a, a two-game series with the Marlins in Baltimore have now flopped. The Yankees and the Orioles are playing while the Phillies sit dormant uh, and uh, uh, the uh, Marlins are postponed at least through Sunday. It also impacts the Washington Nationals who were supposed to then go to Florida, Miami, to play the Marlins for a series this coming weekend, which their players voted, no, we're not we're not playing against the Marlins now that they've got a COVID-19 outbreak. This all boils down to the fact that the baseball owners 
hid behind COVID-19 as a reason to postpone play and to save it's for the safety of the players when really they were just trying to nickel and dime the players for more money. The players in turn hid behind COVID-19 to say, oh, it's for our safety when really they were just trying to nickel and dime the owners for more money. And it all turned into a big giant mess because they weren't able to act in good faith and negotiate in good faith uh, with either side. I'm not blaming the owners more than the players or the players own more than the owners. They're both at fault and they did not negotiate in good faith with each other. And therefore they did not agree on a bubble scenario in Arizona and or Florida, like the NBA MLS and others have decided to do and are doing uh, NHL on and on. And so they didn't do a bubble scenario, and now you're having these outbreaks because these teams are traveling, are not isolated in different hotels. They are or in the same hotel, I should say. They are going hotel to hotel to hotel, city to city to city. They're picking something up uh, at the buffet, sharing it with everyone else, and boom, overnight you've got 17 infected people on one team. Now, baseball did build in more roster spots, so if this kind of thing popped up, there would be enough players to carry the games on. But if there's 17 positive cases, you can't just say, yeah, that's not that many. Let's carry. That's more than half the team or about half the team, I should say. So uh, they've postponed everything. Had they been in a bubble scenario, would it be different? I believe it would have. I believe it absolutely would give them more of a shot to keep these cases at bay. Now, baseball's putting some PR spin on it, saying, ah, 17 cases, we contained it at 17. Not great, but not the worst-case scenario. It'll get fixed. The Marlins will get better. We'll, con- we'll carry on the season. Problem is they only have, like, 82 days to fit 60 games into the Major League Baseball's uh, plans here. And if, had they come up with a bubble scenario, perhaps this doesn't happen. All kinds of snafus. Well, Chris Mannix who is inside the Orlando bubble with the NBA there. He joins the big show every week for the NBA daily assist. He joined on Tuesday this week because the jazz game on Monday knocked him off the schedule there, but he talked about baseball, NFL, and college football needing to take a lesson from how, how uh, excuse me, NBA, the NBA has t- carried their business, trying to keep things active and going and playing games in the middle of a pandemic he was asked about life there in the bubble had a couple funny things to say uh, about including a little uh, nod to one of my all-time favorite movies but then he also explained why if sports want to continue during a pandemic there's at least a not bad way to do it and that's bubble life two last things chris the first one is i agree with you completely i think it's really the only scenario under which these sports functions can really happen. I'm, I'm, I'm really wondering about things like college football and even Major League Baseball. I, I, I don't know how, but when I think of the NBA, I think, okay, that, that's a scenario that could actually work. The second thing I wanted to say is, how are you holding up in that environment? I mean, I'm fine. Look, I mean, I, I, this is, it, it's better than you know being around, you know, listening to these Zoom calls live and talking to people off to the side is way better than just sitting in on zoom calls back in my house, you know, being in, uh, in this, I mean, it's not, it's, it's, it's a resort. And while I'm not, you know, riding space mountain on whatever off time that I have, like I'm, you know, it's not, it's, it's not Shawshank out here. Like you're, you're able to, to, to matriculate amongst people, you know, get a drink if you want to hang out and do different things. So it's, it's not bad at all. And I, and I agree with you that it's, it's really the only way that 
sports is going to work for the foreseeable future. I mean, the, the Lou Williams incident is just another glaring example that, you know, athletes just have this sense of invincibility. They, they don't, even now, I don't think they, they fully appreciate the gravity, a lot of them, of, of this virus, how quickly it spreads, and how if you have it, there's a good chance you don't know that you have it. So, you know, that, that's why, you know, baseball's already having problems and, you know, baseball travels more than the other sports, but there's a lot more physical contact in football and college football. Uh, so I think that these sports need to be looking what the NBA is doing. And in the case of the NFL and college football, if you want to play, create a bubble. You know, I know there's a lot of players that would be involved, but go to a place, create a bubble, and see if you can make it work. Because we're down here in, in a hot spot in Florida. It doesn't feel like it at all. Like it feels like you're in an entirely different country compared to what's going on around this bubble uh, in Orlando. And I think really that's the only way that, that sports is going to work until this virus comes under control. Cihuatanejo, Chris Mannix. Don't forget that little city in Mexico where we're going to meet, we're going to retire. Cihuatanejo. I'll see you there, my friend. But he's absolutely right. I, I think that the bubble life is the best bet, as it were, for sports of any kind right now on that grand of a scale, be it college football, college athletics, and up to the professional ranks. You've got to have control of your environment as best as you possibly can. Now, there's going to be some hiccups. There's going to be some snafus. There's going to be some roadblocks, some stumbling blocks, some problems in the NBA's bubble. Let's not get it twisted and think this is perfect. You've already seen uh, half the Clippers team leave the bubble and come back, including one Lou Williams who went to a funeral and while out for a funeral went to a strip club. Okay, there's going to be problems that pop up. The, the, the point is you're bringing them back into a controlled environment, whereas with baseball, you're going from uncontrolled environment to uncontrolled environment to uncontrolled environment, city to city, stadium to stadium, and it's going to get rampant. And baseball, where you don't touch each other really, ever, 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 if at all, if at all very rarely, is very different then, as, call, as Chris Mannix put it, football, college and NFL, where you're constantly smashing into each other and sharing sweat and fluids to be gross. That is what spreads coronavirus. That is what spreads any airborne virus. Oh, the droplets and the fact that they're not doing a bubble. Boy, it is. I don't know the logistics, how it works out. It is not a task I ever want to be a part of. But the NBA thus far seems to have had the right idea about it. We'll see what college football and the NFL do right now. Baseball, not in a good situation. We'll see what happens going forward. We're going to take a slight break now for some acoustic Wednesday sounds. And I wanted to relax a little bit and just take a deep breath and enjoy some beautiful acoustic uh, vibrations, as it were, going through our eardrums and relaxing us and letting us just forget about the mess and the noise and the, the gross pandemic ridden and politicized and uh, all kinds of stuff that we're going through world that is swirling around us. Just relax and escape into a little Ben E. King classic, a little ditty called Stand By Me. Now, I was unaware of the history of this incredible song. It's such a simple song, but it's beautiful and it's soulful and it's moving. And I often find myself singing it just whenever I need something to sing and just to pass the time, I often find myself doom, 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 boom, 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 you know, just singing it to myself. It's so fun. Uh, well, Benny King, how Stand By Me came to be 
was he had some uh, recording time left over from a studio session that he had done uh, in, in Harlem. And he, he got done recording his songs, and the producer said, you got some time left. Do you have any more songs you want to play? And he said, I've got this one that I've been working on. He adapted it from a, a, a scripture uh, in the Old Testament, a scripture I was not familiar with, uh, by the way. In fact, I want to I want to make sure that I get the, the scripture reference correct here. It was um, a psalm, rather. Uh, what psalm is it? Uh, I don't it does. It's from Psalms. And it says, will, will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea? Apparently, that's where, obviously, he got his inspiration for the lyrics. Uh, and according to the documentary History of Rock and Roll, King had no intention of recording the song himself. He had originally written it for the Drifters, but the Drifters passed on doing it and so during the studio session in harlem where he had a little extra time he sat down at the piano he just threw this thing out there the producers liked it so much that they called the uh studio instrumentals instrumentalists and, and musicians back in they recorded it they dropped the track and it landed uh the highest it was uh, the year-end charts in the u.s was 63 the number 360 song of 1961 and the number 67 song of 1987 yes from 1961 to 1987, this thing was on the charts. That is ridiculous. Now, it, it was re-released re in 1986, uh, and that's why you saw it on, on the charts again in 1987. But and, and I, I misspoke. It wasn't on the charts that whole time. But to be on the charts in three different decades, that's incredible. And so, uh, Benny King, it was named Rolling Stones uh, among its 500 best songs of all time. It was 122nd on the Rolling Stones list of 500 best songs of all time. Uh, again, it's an easy song. It's simple. But most music is best done when it's done simply. That's why I love acoustic music. It's stripped back. It's bare. It's out there. It's raw. And it's simple. It's simplified. There's no electrification, which is... I'm not against electrification, electrification uh, but I just prefer acoustic. It's calming. It's relaxing. It's beautiful. So, sorry to wax poetically on the history of the song Stand By Me by Benny King, but here is... And you can check out this cool music video on YouTube. It's an acoustic cover of the song Stand By Me, shot and done live at Lake Powell. Beautiful, beautiful music video done right there in our backyard of Lake Powell. The group is called Music Travel Love. Here it is, Stand By Me. One, two, three, four. Just as long 
for you on a Wednesday just an absolute ridiculous thing Sports Illustrated uh, <laughs> has a incredibly twisted and roller coaster like history it, it went from being king to pauper to middle class back to king back to pauper back to middle class and, and uh, as of as of late it since being sold for like the 200th time and and they wrote off and fired a whole bunch of their really really good writers and reporters it's not the sports illustrated that you may have grown up loving to to read it grandmas and grandpas or wherever you, you could get your hands on a, a copy of sports illustrated no not talking about that edition keep it clean chester no i don't care for that edition but uh sports illustrated i absolutely the first uh, when i uh, first started making a little money in, in junior high and high school i signed up for both esp and the magazine and sports illustrated uh, i read them cover to cover cover to cover every single month uh, i don't know why i said cover to cover twice there but anyway now they're just not as great as they once were and as exhibited by they're getting into the pre-workout whey protein nutritional supplement game yes sports illustrated nutrition has officially launched you can purchase these items on amazon if you are into such ridiculous purchases i don't have too much to say about this other than sports illustrated used to be a really 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 great resource in the world of journalism and sports journalism it was the king now it's hawking post-workout, pre-workout, and whey protein isolate nutritional supplements on Amazon. My, how the mighty have fallen. 
Chris Mannix, my buddy, who you just heard from earlier on the show, he's about all that's left good at Sports Illustrated, all the good that's left at Sports Illustrated, I should say. And uh, I, I really hope that they can just decide to get back to doing good sports journalism and forget about the pyramid scheme, <laughs> MLM, post, pre, and during workout nutritional supplement game. Absolutely a joke. That's going to do it for an Acoustic Wednesday edition of the EP Podcast. I'll be back on a Wear Red Friday. Remember, everyone deployed. Don't forget Jazz, Pelicans, Zion Williamson, Derek Favors, taking on Ruta Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, and Mike Conley and others. 3.30 tip or excuse me, 3.30 pregame, 4.30 tip-off on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone Thursday afternoon. And The Zone Sports Network also catch the game live on AT&T Sportsnet on the TV side of things. I'm Austin Horton. I'll see you Friday. Until then, please be good to each other. Time now for the laugh of the day. <laughs> Are you a good actor? Uh, yeah, I acted in numerous plays. Give us a play and a part. I was in a play called The Octopus's Garden. And I... False. Yes, I played the part of the okay. octopus. And you played the octopus. It was a comedic role. Knocked that out of the park. You were so full of crap. <laughs> I did. Came so, down to me and Meryl Streep and know, poor Meryl. <laughs> she got tree number two. You can at least tell us a real play. Oh, I played Conrad Birdie and Bye Bye no. Birdie or something. Don't give me. I played the octopus in no, Octopus's I, Garden. No, no. no you did it. It's true. And I helped write the play. Okay, that's it.